0: welcome to the episcopal church of the holy communion thank you for joining us for this sermon you can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our facebook youtube and podcast channels consider hitting like or subscribe consider sharing this sermon with others it helps us to reach more people like you we are so thankful to those who support our ministry you can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give In the name of our one true and loving God, whose property is always to have mercy. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Since Ellis and I bought our home in St. Louis seven years ago, the house just to the west of us has changed hands four times. I sometimes lose track of the names of our neighbors. And I hope this has more to say about the state of the economy and the rising home prices in our neighborhood than it does about our family as neighbors. But I guess you'd have to ask the folks who moved out. I've been thinking about neighbors a little bit. And today's parable is introduced when this legal expert, this lawyer, asks Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Watch out for the lawyers. We know implicitly, neighboring is about more than proximity. And Jesus famously, in this parable, overturns the prejudices of his time. And this is one of those moments in the Bible where there's been a lot layered on the story over the history of the church. The interpretations of 2,000 years of preachers lay on top of this text. For those of you who didn't grow up in the church, you come to this with fresh eyes, and I would commend your interpretations to us. Preachers have speculated over the years about reasons why this priest and this Levite fail to stop. They've wondered whether there were holiness codes or over-inflated senses of importance or fine robes which shouldn't be dirty that get in the way. But the truth is, we don't know. The reasons the folks who don't stop are not in the text. The story is instead focused on the least likely character who becomes a hero. I'll return to the Samaritan in a moment, but I want to keep my eyes on this lawyer for a minute. There's something strange about our gospel writer Luke's story. In Matthew and Mark, it's Jesus who gives us the first and greatest commandment, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it, Jesus says, to love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew and Mark give those words to Jesus, but Luke gives the commandment to this sharp attorney. And fascinatingly, it's the lawyer who tells Jesus, love God, and love your neighbor. Then, after the question about, who's my neighbor, after Jesus gives this story about the Levite and the uh, priest that pass by, and the Samaritan who helps, Jesus finishes by asking, which one of these three was a neighbor? And the answer is obvious. But the lawyer's response to this obvious question, it's fascinating. This legal expert doesn't say option three. He doesn't say the Samaritan, either, was even saying the name of the enemy tribe, uncouth. Instead, the lawyer says, the one who demonstrated mercy. The one who demonstrated mercy. Mercy is a word we don't hear enough today. Mercy gets a bit of a bad rap, doesn't it? We don't like to think of ourselves as ever being in need of mercy, and so mercy is unpopular. Our society teaches us self-reliance is the goal. Self-reliance is the goal. We judge those who need help. Self-reliance, friends, it's one of the big lies, one of the awful lies we tell ourselves. No one makes it through this life entirely self-reliant, We don't make it through our lives alone. We all need a little help sometimes, and many of us are going to need a great deal more help before we die. So today I want to spend some time with this word, mercy. What does the Lord require of us, after all, but to do justice, to love mercy, even when doing so makes us humble? In fact, that humility may be part of how we walk with God. And today's teaching from Jesus, it centers on this practice, mercy. The late Reverend Peter Gomes once preached about mercy, he said this, The word mercy suggests an unmerited kindness, the gift of something undeserved. When a judge shows mercy, she is not responding to the facts or to what custom or even justice requires. Full in the face of justice, she shows mercy. That is, she forbears to do what is expected to someone whom she has in her power, and who has absolutely no claim upon her of any sort. Instead, she shows compassion. It is not simply kindness. It is kindness in the face of the opportunity to do otherwise. Mercy is not less than justice done. It is more than justice requires. Mercy is more than justice requires. You need to know, Samaritans were mistreated by Jewish people in the first century. The hatred between the groups, the violence, was famous. And Jesus' hearers, they might have expected the Samaritan to cheer this Jewish traveler's death, or at least to feel relief, one less enemy to worry about. Instead, it is the Samaritan who shows mercy. The word mercy for Anglicans historically has been big as well. Episcopalians and our predecessors in the Church of England, we used to say before coming to communion a prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property it is always to have Mercy. Now, I don't love the groveling in the prayer, and that's why we don't do it anymore. But I do love the persistent reminder of God's mercy. Mercy is the very stuff of God, the property of God. In the Psalms, there's a word that's often translated as mercy or loving-kindness, and it's an important word, hesed in Hebrew. Chesed. It functions a bit like the word agape in Greek. Chesed is divine mercy as agape is divine love. And we don't know for sure that the word that this legal scholar used in Hebrew or in Aramaic when he answered Jesus, but it was likely this word, chesed. Apologies for all that biblical language. Here's why it's important. When we act with mercy when we show mercy we do better than treating one another as we would like to be treated we do better than the golden rule when we practice mercy we treat one another the way God would treat us Peter Gomes went on describing mercy speaking about the fear that existed across the American South during the period of segregation about white folks afraid of an uprising from black neighbors, Gomes says this, it's a normal and justifiable fear. Revolutions are feared because of what the oppressed will now have the power to do to their oppressors. Justice is simply what the powerful require of the weak and what the weak demand of the powerful. If justice is the tool of the powerful, however, mercy is the power of the weak. The power of the civil rights movement was not in its capacity to hold the nation hostage and to exact a just and violent vengeance. Dr. King did not appeal to the nation's fears. He appealed to the nation's ideals and hopes. He took the power to terrify and transformed it to the power to forgive and to love. He was neighbor to the stranger, the stranger that was America, because he showed it the power of mercy. In all our talk of justice, we sometimes lose sight of the power of mercy. Justice, as Gomes uses it here, is so very thin. Words can have a whole spectrum of meaning. And on one end of the spectrum, as we've found, justice can mean simply the bare minimum the law demands. Justice can mean so little. I saw a sign a couple of weeks ago down at the Supreme Court that plays with this idea of justice. I was down at the Supreme Court a couple weeks ago because I was in Washington for my doctoral program, and I went in to join the protests because it felt like something to do for my soul. And I saw a sign that said, we call you justices, but where is the justice? And that was one of the tamer signs, many I couldn't quote from this pulpit. We live in difficult times, terrifying times for some of us. And I want to suggest to you that our faith has something to offer. When justice seems so thin, almost non-existent, our faith has something to offer. And today it might be just one word. Mercy. Sometimes one word is enough. Mercy is bigger than hollow justice we are invited to practice mercy, to treat one another with mercy. And to do so, we have to be willing to slow down. We have to be willing to step off the road. We have to be willing to see the complexity, the frustration, the hurt. If we are going to be neighbors, if we're going to treat one another better than the law requires, mercy is key. I've already quoted Peter Gomes about Dr. King but I want to leave you with some of King's own words about this story today as well. Brother Martin used to tell folks that the story of the Good Samaritan was his favorite in the whole of the Bible. He talked about the mercy the Samaritan practices as a kind of dangerous unselfishness. We could use some of that dangerous unselfishness today. But in a famous sermon at the Riverside Church in New York, King preached these words. On the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside. But that will be only an initial act. One day, we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. Following Jesus means returning again and again to the Jericho roads of life. Mercy asks a lot of us, even when it seems justice will be denied, even when justice is non-existent, hopefully temporarily, even when it's dangerous. Jesus asks us to do better than hurrying along our way. Jesus invites us to slow down, to walk with the suffering. Jesus asks us to behave like neighbors and do the work of transformation. If you keep your eyes open, there are good Samaritans everywhere. Even before our state announced it would be the first to enact a ban on abortion, there were funds set up to ensure people could travel to access needed health care. Even though guns may be more readily available and harder to regulate, our partners with Women's Voices Raised are hard at work, giving away free gun locks, educating neighbors about how to keep one another safe. Good Samaritans, they keep working for justice, but justice someday won't be enough Good Samaritans refuse to leave anyone along the road in the meantime. That's practicing mercy. Today, Jesus takes what could have been a legalistic, heady intellectual argument, counting insiders and outsiders. We do a lot of that counting of insiders and outsiders these days. Jesus avoids that temptation when when that legal scholar, when that lawyer comes after him. He doesn't get into an argument. Instead, when asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus gets practical. Your neighbor is the person who treats you with dignity, who treats you with love, who treats you with mercy. You neighbor when you go and do likewise. So go and do likewise. Amen.